0: once again once again hello it's time for another kg fifth ward wildcat and doc podcast let's get right into it fellas how are you
1: i'm doing okay fighting uh the weather and stuff but uh i'm I'm getting there i'm getting there doc
2: i'm doing well doing well just ready to close out the semester get uh to atlanta (laughs) for the celebration bowl
1: Doc, are you closing out the semester. Are you, are you giving grades? What are you doing?
2: Well, next week is the final examination, so uh, I'll be giving grades soon enough.
1: Oh, oh well, I'll be praying for
2: him. Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> All
0: right, I'm, I'm not gonna. Gardner? I'm not gonna pray for him. It's up to them to, to get what they earn. They earn their grade. They earn me, their
1: grade. Let me let me tell you something. We've all been there one time or another. Somebody prayed for us. That's how we got out. Well,
0: Not in how I got out. I, I earned my my two point whatever I got out of, at the of H, point eight. Dude. So yeah, I'm sure they're gonna I'm sure
2: they're gonna earn it
1: too, but they
2: probably still need some prayer. I mean, oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Pray, pray for yeah, me for some okay. else besides uh, getting out of Doc's class. Something a little bit more important. No offense, Doc. You know, but you know they they still got to do the work.
2: Yeah, they doing the work, but as he said, they still may need some prayers.
1: <laughs> yeah, you gonna always need some prayer in school. <laughs> On that level, yes, sir. You gonna always need some prayer. So let's get I mean, right I into it.
2: They, they study for my test, and they know it's coming. But when they sit down and see it, they still say a prayer. It's just, I think it's just the framework of the test and how to get into the mood. Some people are not necessarily good test takers, so that anxiety is real. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I try try to relax them and things of that nature, but it's just amazing, uh, the students in general, how if you're not careful, they can be overwhelmed with tests. So different people, different strokes, whatever works, do do what you have to do to get it done.
0: Well, you touched on right. Doc, let's talk about the uh, celebration ball that's going to take place on the 16th of this month.
2: Yeah, it's a big game. I mean, you can't get uh, two better historic programs, particularly uh, as of late. Obviously, those that have paid attention to HBCU football certainly recognize the Gremlin name with the Gremlin State Tigers of the SWAT. And then North Carolina A&T on the broadway, has done a great deal to increase their brand awareness. So you have a North Carolina a and P Aggies team ranked 7th nationally uh, coming into this grand game. you got Grandma State Tigers ranked 12th nationally at the FCS level, so you have a top 15 matchup here. In most people's polls that do some type of HBCU football polls, you have these two, these two teams ranked uh, 1 and 2 including my poll where I have North Carolina and T, the undefeated Aggies coming in uh at number one. And then you have Grandma State Tigers at eleven and one uh coming in this game, ranked number two in my poll. Uh, both teams have won eleven straight games. Obviously A and T undefeated at eleven and zero, and Grandma State Tigers eleven and one after losing their opening game to Tulane, which it seems just uh years ago, ages ago. Um, so you have both these teams have played in the Celebration Bowl. Aggie played in the first matchup against Arkansas State Braves that we talked about two years ago, uh, defeating uh, the Braves and winning the Celebration Bowl and uh, winning a Black College National Championship uh, to take home the boot. And then last year, obviously, Grand State Tigers. People's memory probably most much more uh, up to date on that is they defeated North Carolina Central uh, in that matchup to win their Black College National Championship after taking home the celebration of the trophy. Uh, both these teams who ever win this game uh, will essentially win Black College National Championship pretty much at every level. Uh, some t- people may argue about Virginia State that was undefeated into the playoffs, as well as Langston University, another undefeated uh, football program, uh, one at the NIA level and the other at the, uh, Division II level. Uh, but for most people, this is going to determine the Black College National Championship. It opens up the bowl season. Uh, you have two-star quarterback Kincaid who took home the Ben L Cabell Senior HBCU Football Award last Wednesday. We were able to give him uh, that award Friday. Our very own Wildcat was there to videotape it, so I'm sure later in the show he'll give information on how you can go look at update in terms of the video of Kincaid accepting that award. Two very solid defensive teams here, top ten in the country, and basically top five in most defensive categories at the FCS level, not just respectively in their conference, where both teams were top in their conference, but national. So you have a chance to have a outstanding matchup. Like I said, I'll be there Wednesday. They do a dinner opening up at the Aquarium. Uh, where they just let really do an outstanding job of celebrating the players to open up the event. And then at the end, they let them go around the aquarium where they get a um, chance to see all the sites there. And then they come back and do the uh, champion dinner, which is at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Those that saw the award show that ESPN does last Thursday uh, saw the facility that they'll actually be having the dinner in Thursday. And they do it right in the College Hall of Fame. So that's big. They have a chance to go to the hospitals, get in some practice time. NFL is coming down to practice. And partnering, I should say, with the Miac and SWAC, where they're bringing in students to get a chance to uh, participating in the uh, NFL program that looks at telling students of, uh, about career paths in the, at the NFL. So another opportunity to look at some good things that are going on. And then obviously everything comes up on Saturday where this was the first bowl game in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, State Farm Stadium that just opened this year, uh, obviously home to the Atlanta Falcons at the NFL. So a lot of folks get the chance to be in a world-class stadium. Um, they are open up just the lower bowl, so you should get a very good feel for the capacity as of last uh, Saturday right before the Slack Championship game, North Carolina A&T had already pretty much bought tickets that completed their seating arrangements on their home side, and they started encroaching, or at least Grambling fans probably would see that, as encroaching on the uh, Grambling side, because at that point it was still to be determined whether the off and a Grambling were playing a bowl game. So A&T is excited. They want to close out. It's a historic season in, uh, in uh, fashion. You have also the matchup between coaches. Broadway is the coach of North Carolina A&T. And so um, he actually formerly coached at uh, Grambling and took them to the Black College Championship before he left. Before that, he actually won a championship in North Carolina Central. And at that time, North Carolina Central was actually a Division II program in the CIAA. So he's really climbing up what many people would see that Mount Rushmore uh, in terms of black college football coaches uh, in terms of what he's been able to do of late. So that also is another added twist for a lot of people out there uh, as as those things continue to move forward. So a lot of ways to look at this game in in terms of uh, what part that you want to pick out. Obviously, two great bands for those that are uh, HBCU aficionados uh, it goes without saying, in terms of the band matchups, in a lot of ways as
0: well. And, Doc, I, I won't—I'll uh, let you save your prediction for your show, because I don't want to steal your thunder and drag it out of you during our podcast here. But uh, <laughs> I
1: don't re- care.
0: Remind uh, <laughs> <Thank> let everybody <laughs> let everybody know when your when your show is coming up.
2: Certainly, uh, the the show is every Tuesday. Uh, And we will have a good show at this point. uh, We have both coaches coming over. I talked a little bit about uh, Broadway. And then we also have Coach Files, Broadway Files from Gratman State. Uh, As we have uh, mentioned, they are scheduled to be on the show this Tuesday, which starts at 545, 715. That is Central Standard Time. Uh, It airs every Tuesday. That's Dr. Fields inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. So we're excited about that. We'll have the executive director of the celebration on bowl on, John Grant, to talk about some updates in terms of additional things that they have planned for the bowl game for those uh, that are planning to attend. And obviously it's uh, big for those that can't attend to make sure that you watch the game on television. The last two years they've increased. They've had ratings the first year that outpaced what they were predicting. And then last year they outdid themselves from the previous year. So, the, both games have been stellar games, very close games, entertaining games, which obviously helps what is taking place there. So I think you'll want to tune in for the show. We can really get some inside information on what you're talking about there. Uh, and so this should be fascinating. Um, if you would, check out the show, which is live. You can see it streaming, as we do now, on Facebook. And that's following me at Dr. Kenyatta Kaville, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C A V I L again at D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. So you can follow us live on Facebook. Obviously you can follow me on the other social media platforms since I'm giving that out with the same uh hashtag I mean uh connector, I guess you would say, on Twitter or Instagram that's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L in terms of listening to the show, or you can go to uh Stream it and watch it on www.kcoh-tv.com. That's www.kcoh-tv.com. And you can check us out live in the studio and see us doing a thing, cutting up in there. The interesting this week is we'll probably also, not probably, uh, certainly have to talk about the fact that Prairie Beano is looking for a coach.
0: That was my next thing for you.
2: Willie Willie Simmons, as you said, Go ahead.
0: That's it. That was my next thing, for you, my next topic for you.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm sure you're going to slide in this. So I was trying to beat you to it so it wouldn't have me stumbling uh, over it. But Willie Simmons, in, in many ways, is going home, and people may not know this. Uh, we had this, and you can go back in the R class, archives and go to our show, as we said, Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab, and go to uh, SoundCloud and listen to our show where we, had an hour-long show when Coach Willard Simmons three years ago took um, the head job. Or you can send me an email at uh, jkcavi at aol dot com, and I will actually uh, send you that uh, podcast direct. I mean, that link directly. Uh, but anyway, he's from Quincy, Florida. Even though he played at Clemson, he's from Quincy, Florida. For those that are not familiar with. Uh, Florida state of Florida. It's really like the next city over from Tallahassee. So much of his family, including his mom, actually went to you, which is where he'll be taking his next head job, which is a five-year deal. From my understanding, three hundred K, which is about a thirty K pay raise. Prairie View had the ability to match it, but it was more of a family decision. So AD or VP of Intercollegiate Athletics, actually, Robinson, uh, did not push the issue of matching as he moved forward with his next direction of who he wants to hire. But also, uh, Coach Willie Timmons wife uh, went to FAMU, so it's a way for to get her back home. His uh, son, oldest son, is at, was a freshman this fall at FAMU, so you can see, obviously, a lot of connections that he has uh, with the Rattlers, which is intriguing to me because I actually got to go, as you know, at the beginning of the season when Texas Southern traveled to FAMU, the kickoff season in week zero uh, between that matchup with family, you got the best of Texas Southern University, and obviously we were coming back into what now historically was Hurricane Harvey. So it'll be intrigued about continuing that matchup. Obviously, I reached out to that Thursday um, and knew a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, but didn't want to respect everybody, so didn't push it. Um, but did follow up on Thursday and uh, said, I had a great conversation with Coach Willis Simmons. Uh, as I told him, uh, understand, appreciate what he did for Prairie View, wish him luck. And so we still have a chance to have him on throughout the season to keep people up with the MIAC and the rally. Maybe we can pick up some new fans from that perspective as well.
0: Good deal, Doc. And when are you heading out?
2: I'm heading out Wednesday. I'll get out of here Wednesday morning. Uh, to make sure I'm there for all the events that are going on that week.
0: Safe travels to you, and and uh, should be what? Oh yeah, what time does the game start Saturday?
2: It is a twelve o'clock kickoff, and that is twelve o'clock Eastern time. So for people back here in Central, you need to get up eleven o'clock, turn on your TV. It'll be the first bowl of the game, uh, and I would suggest to you that you wouldn't want to miss it. Uh, as I said, both of the years, it's been great game uh, in terms of matchup, and I believe that this one was going to be one to mem for the memory banks. Uh, as uh, two well-coached football programs, a lot of speed on the field. You'll see opportunities to see some guys that you may even see on Sunday uh, in regards to the talent. Uh, so keep your eyes on it. Uh, remember, just last year. Uh, two years ago, I should say, was the coming out party uh, for A&T's running back, Tariq Cohen, who was finding a way that many people thought he couldn't get it done with the Chicago Bears as he continues for outstanding and at least gets his name uh, to some degree into Rookie of the Year. Also, before we leave um, HBCU Sports to move forward, I wanted to talk about that uh, Max uh, and Jerry will probably get a chance to talk a little more about this. But Jerry Mack, who uh, was formerly the head coach at North Carolina Central, that we just talked about playing in the celebration mode, he moves over to Rice as he's coming over uh, in the co- coaching position there. So um, uh, interim coach has been named in North Carolina Central uh, as they decided to stay within the family, uh, as they have given the job uh, to Jerry Mack's assistant coach Uh, in in terms of that matchup, as they keep it in the family, uh, doing a lot there, uh, which I thought was a pretty interesting move for them because some people thought that it might open up the door and have another coaching change in the the SWAC as Coach Odom from Southern University has spent some time in North Carolina Central, so a lot of people uh, thought he would be there. So you have Coach Johnson taking over for Jerry Mack at North Carolina Central as he gets it done uh, in a lot of ways there. So I think it's it's going to be a good for watch that matchup, and that's Granville Eastman uh, taking on North Carolina Central's head coaching job. But he's only got it as an interim role, so he essentially has a year to kind of prove that he can get it done uh, as we'll, we'll see how that looks. So most of the other coaching searches are still on their way except at Alabama State. They decided to take the interim tag off of Donald Hill Ely, who went five and six uh, after taking over the head coaching job this past fall. My understanding he just has a two-year contract, so I thought that was a little interesting in terms of what took place there. Uh, So I'm not sure uh, if I would be excited about a two-year contract, but I guess if you get a chance uh, to do your job, you'll get it done. You also have uh, Hampton, as we talked about, Connell Maynard uh, decided to resign and move forward. So you have Robert uh, who actually comes over as the former East Carolina defensive coordinator uh, who took over as head coach throughout the season. He has been named the head coach at Hampton University. It was an intriguing tie to Alabama A&M as he's Alabama A&M Bulldog. He was a graduate of Alabama A&M and his name was on the list to take over at Alabama A&M, but they're a little slow with their process, so Robert Prouten, uh is now the head coach and off the table for the Bulldogs as he becomes the head man at uh, Hampton University. As they move, if you remember the big news a couple of weeks ago, as they move from uh, the MEAC to the Big South, which I do. If you want to look, listen to the podcast, uh, I mean the streaming show I did last week, we got up to. Uh, 1,200 views. A lot of people said I went off. And so if you want to talk a little bit about Slack moving forward, looks at the process in terms of what they need for a commissioner, because it seems like that's full steam ahead. I also got in a little bit about Hampton moving to Big South. and My concerns with that move, so if you want to get some more information on that, that is something also to think about. Oh, well, Dr. Cue. The hottest name out there, though, in a lot of ways, is Julie, the defense offensive coordinator for Gramlin. As he goes in this game, there are a lot of coaches. I mean, a lot of universities looking at him, Alabama A&M. And he's on the short list for Arkansas Pond and I would say he's on the short list for Prairie View as well. So that's the name that you want to keep your uh, ears out there to see where does he decide to go in terms of getting his head coaching debut opportunity as well.
0: Doc, are you going to apply for the uh, commission job for the SWAC?
2: No, I'm not going to apply. I'm actually going to stay in the consulting role that I am with some of the presidents. I made some recommendations of who I think needs to come into the SWAC and take that job that really can take the SWAC to the next level. Uh, it's serious. The NCA has uh, actually sent a letter, mm-hmm. and this is on H- game day for those that want to follow it. He's actually they have actually sent a letter to each of the SWAC presidents, saying essentially that they need to write a report in terms of what they're going to do with the conference moving forward. Now, that's due January 5th, uh, based on some concerns they had with the way that money was being used from the conference essentially for operating expenses instead of going directly to the student-athlete at their respective institutions. So um, a lot of things going out there, some good, some uh, in terms of others that continue with HBCUs are intrigued about. The Virginia Union. University is still looking for a football coach as well as Mississippi Valley. And so that kind of rounds it out of all the schools that uh, we talked about except for, as well, Delaware State that is looking for both a head football coach and an athletic director.
0: All right, Wildcat, well, uh, you got some big shoes to fill. Backing up, Doc, there was that great insight information, but I'm going to toss it to you to talk about uh, Rice Owls hiring Mike Bloomgren is a new football coach coming from Stanford. So go ahead and, and uh, share some insight with us about that
1: hire, and
0: I guess we'll see if Rice is getting back in the football business.
1: Well, I'm not worried about Rice getting back in the football business. Um, I think they already are. Their biggest problem right now is where do they go from here uh, and putting the staff together. Uh, coach uh, Bloomgren, for whatever reason. Nobody knew the connection here in town until he mentioned it in the press conference on two, uh, on last week. He spent his years from five to ten living here in town, over in Spring Branch area, and actually played some little league baseball. Uh, he once he and then in, in the process he got some uh, some GA jobs. A uh, matter of fact, uh, Coach uh, Dennis Francione was there. Uh, on press day uh, for the press conference, because he gave him gave Coach Brumbaugh his first job. He also uh, talked about uh, it was the time that he spent here with some of his formative years that basically helped him form and and give him some enlightenment on where he wanted to go once he got uh, got out of school. He always talked about this place about uh, about Rice, and and to the point that he wanted this job two to three years ago whenever it came open he told his wife this was a this was this was it this was the place he wanted to go if the job ever came open uh so when it once the job became open basically he was contacted by uh ad uh i gotta get this correct call guard um and in the process they talked it over. He went through the progress like everybody else. Uh, Coach, Coach, Carver, uh, Coach Blumber, uh was was one of the finalists, but as you as we all know, Stanford uh, is still in the bowl business. They play in the Alamo uh, Bowl, which helped out because when he came to town uh, on last week, they were in the process of getting ready to start bowl practices. And also, it was, it was recruiting time. With the, the early with the early signing period, they're trying to get some some starts. He also mentioned in the process that uh, recruiting in this area will always be a premium and be prime for him. Basically, because Stanford every year has had a minimum of ten recruits from this state alone. Oh. so and, and he says that that's been I was actually before, uh, one of Coach Harbaugh's. And Coach Shaw's, you know, point of emphasis is go and find you a guy that can get things done early. And he talked about how the Texas high school football pretty much feeds every team in this country, especially on the F- on the division, FBS Division One level, basically because guys are ready to go to work from day one. Offensive linemen, offensive linemen, and Doc, as you know, you know it takes a while because you you. Footwork is, is one of the things that you got to grasp on each level as you go up and get accustomed to the push off and the push back. But he talked about winning. He yeah. talked about uh, talked about putting the staff together that understood some some things, you know, understood this state, and he was going to talk to everybody that's that that's on staff. But I, I asked a question, Asked two questions to finish it out. When Chuck said, okay, we got two more questions. So, you know me, nobody nobody else speak, spoke up fast. First thing I asked him was coming in, you know, Stanford runs a different style of, you know, smash mouth football. Here, you know, they've been in a, it's been a, it's been a balance, they has been passing. He talked about looking for those guys that can give push up front. So the next thing I asked him was the last question that he was, uh, uh, I asked him was about, you know, training, how guys were going to adjust to that. He didn't say it uh, right off the top. He didn't mention it as a point of emphasis, but trust me, as I sit here on this phone, he's talking about training and conditioning on a different level. So that means definitely that's going to be a point of emphasis. They're going to be smash smashing some folks. It's going to take them a while to make the adjustment, especially the offensive linemen, compared to what they have right now and what they're in the process to get going. It's going probably going to take them, take them a year because he's got to find some guys. Rice is one of the few uh, places that they don't go out and look at. Uh, well, they look they look, but they don't go out and recruit Juco offensive linemen. Something may change in the process, but as of today, it hadn't happened yet. Hopefully, they can squeeze that out some kind of way, but that's what they're going to have to change up front. They're going to have to get some depth. And offensive linemen, probably going to have to go back to Canada and find what they're looking for, because those guys that they brought in from Canada, they were one of the few offensive linemen that played all four years with no issues, didn't get hurt, and if they did, they weren't lingering injuries, and as, uh, now, as far as the money folks and the people that I don't see at games, they were all there, sitting there waiting. They wanted to talk to him, and Doc. Once again, old money is old money. That's who helped make this make uh, made this happen. They basically just stood up and says, "Okay." We're through standing around waiting. We've been waiting for, t- for too long. We're not going to be here t- too much longer. So let's correct this now. And that's basically what they did in hiring Coach uh, Bloomer.
2: I, I think it's a good move, but it sounds like the old money decided, uh, a little bit as Chris alluded to, they wanted to get back in the football business. But I'm not sure they were. Now, we don't have to get into an argument over that, but just opinion. But I did have some follow up questions. I was curious that. Came out of um, as they brought him in. One would be: Did you hear anything about Jerry Mack, who I talked about, has certainly said that he's coming to thing Rice- <laughs> in terms of what his capacity will be?
1: Um, not until after. Not until after it was uh, it was brought up Pre- uh, press day. He didn't mention about staff in specific, other than he was going to talk to Eric. the question was asked to him. Whether he's going to talk to, uh, to the he's going to talk to the guys that's already on staff, he did say yes, but he also said when we got into the call, call uh, uh, one on one, he basically said, you know, I don't know any of these guys, I've, it's, and I've never worked with any of them at all. <laughs> so <laughs> when he said that, I don't know whether folks grasp what that meant. Now, Doc, you Chris, Chris, now? We all know if you take it on a job, and people are asking you to talk to the staff, that first impression—it's got you got to sell yourself. That's because right. It's, it's because when you hear, I never worked with any of these guys ever. That means he doesn't know your habits or your tendencies or what you bring to the table at all. And I'm gonna stay with what I what I mentioned earlier on in the process. Strength and conditioning, but well, what they gotta do or what they're looking to do moving forward, that's gotta be a change. That's gotta be A number one. Because if you get the wrong guy, you're gonna still you're gonna still have what you have right now. Lingering injuries be last too long.
2: Very, very true. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he brought his own strength and conditioning. There's a there's a couple of things with strength and conditioning. One is the obvious in terms of uh, what do you want to build your players as in terms of what offensive, defensive schemes that you're going to run. But also your strength and distance uh, coach is able to work with the athletes during the summer and during periods of time when all other coaches can't. So you want to really have somebody that you know is going to integrate your philosophy, not just what they're going to do in terms of building up Players, which you can probably get anywhere, but also you want somebody that is really going to build in your philosophy in terms of what you want your players to think about the program. So, with that, I'm not sure if you talked about it. So, did they say where what Jerry Mack was going to come in? No, That's why I'm intrigued about that. Well, uh, but if it have not That's fine. We'll, we'll find out a little more.
1: Well, like I said, no, it's, he he was. He didn't mention that he had already talked to some guys, but he has. But he did mention he's got some guys. In, he had some guys in mind that he was looking to bring over. Uh, that was looking to do what they're already doing now at Stanford, uh, and that was a balanced attack, but also had some some big push up front and protection of the quarterback.
2: Certainly, which goes to my follow up question is obviously you have your philosophy of what you want to do. Uh, from what they're doing at Stanford, uh obviously what you would like to bring to rice, but I would like to dig a little deeper and try to figure out you know what does that really mean and I ask that from this perspective um, also we just had the announcement uh with Savannah State moving from the meac uh from division one to Division two uh because of the final financial reasons, and the reason I bring that up once the so people are just aware. Of, where, of that move, but also you have Stanford, which is in the Power Five Conference in terms of the back, Pac-12, obviously getting a lot of players out of Texas. Same, you can say, with uh, schools of the same elk, if you would, in terms of Northwestern out of the Big Ten, Vanderbilt out of the SEC, Duke, and Wake Forest out of the ACC in terms of uh, what a lot of people see as these very elite academic institutions that has the ability, uh, because of the conference affiliation, to play in the Power Five that provides these financial resources. Did he say anything of how he's going to negotiate that uh, from the perspective of Rice that obviously doesn't play in the Power Five conferences? How is, did he say anything about how he's going to recruit these academic kids that have the choice to either go to Rice, stay at home, or leave to play in these other elite institutions? was uh,
1: in a power
2: five tone.
1: I'm glad you asked that. He that question was asked also about as far as is what he looks at where does he reference rice in the on the FBS level as far as, you know, recruiting and what they offer first academically and then as a as an athlete. He mentioned Rice, he mentioned Vanderbilt, he mentioned Northwestern, he mentioned uh Let's see who else did he mention. Didn't mention Duke, Um, and it was two other private schools. But those three—Wake Forest or something? Uh, no, not Wake Forest. Sure wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to think now. I, I draw a you blank.
2: See, uh, Miami.
1: That is bingo. And he mentioned, and, and, and when he mentioned those two schools, now. You and I, all three of us, we've watched them for a while. Most people don't know that those two schools are private institutions. Mm-hmm. They were referenced those two schools as a football factory. Right. And when he mentioned those two, that was the first time I came across those, you know, a, a couple of my rep- reporter, oh, shoot, didn't know that USC was a private school. Wow. They, they they weren't sure, but they had heard that Miami was. But as far as referencing USC, mm. nah, they just didn't know. <laughs> they just, <laughs> just didn't know. Doc, I've been working with a lot of folks. If you're under the age of 40 and you don't know, you just don't know. But right. don't... But but don't embarrass yourself and have a perception just because of what you see on the field. I'm gonna say it just like that, because it, it wasn't funny, Doc. It wasn't funny. And these are some folks that's writing and some people are doing coverage on uh, on TV. Certainly.
2: So what did he say, as you got everybody excited now, in terms of naming those institutions, what did he kind of go into saying why he believes right will be able to get into the conversation about uh, uh, working towards getting athletes, particularly from the state of Texas versus players academically going to those institutions?
1: He said it's possible. He said the reason it's possible is because this state outside of, uh, outside of California and Florida this is the only other state that produces an, 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 um, a huge amount of athletes capable of mentally, academically, enrolling in the rice, playing sports, and moving forward. Because they, they, he talked about, talked the same way that I heard one other person talk about it. I know Scott Brown when he first got the job, these kids are smart here. Every coach, that, every coach that has come in off the last, uh, since Coach Hadfield, any one of the coaches have, told, have basically said, "Point blank, you can throw a lot of things at them at one time, and they can just get it done." They are most coaches are uh, that hadn't coached on this level, or at least at a private institution. Uh, that, as Rice refers to itself, and I believe school of the South, where the athletes can count can handle. A case, uh, a class load, like they do on a regular basis, and still get it done on the football on the football field, with the amount of time and all they got to work with it. And the other thing he mentioned also, he said why he wanted to, uh, why he met, wanted this job. He said even through all the injuries and everything that was going on, those guys kept fighting every game. He said they went through a lot of changes this year, and they kept fighting. He said it didn't quit. And when he has his, team, his, his uh, one-on-one meetings, he said he'll get a lot of things out of the guys, and he'll get a lot of you know, a lot more information out of them. He said having a or, you know one meeting with the team and a group setting is one thing, but when you talk to guys one-on-one, you get a feel of where they are mentally and what's going on. And that was pretty much it, Doc. He he just he was just he was happy to get the job. He didn't get emotional, but he came close. He came close. Now, it's going gonna, gonna to be interesting, you know, how this all works out down the road because I just hope that we don't fall into the same boat like everybody else, like U of H has, you know, what coaches come in, make their mark, and somebody comes calling. But it looks like he's going to be here a while. Why not? Why? Why? Why do you hope that? Because he, I'm just looking. Me personally, I just prefer that. At least come in, get a recruiting class through, and then roll out. Now get well. Know, well, that's 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 different. That's a whole
0: different thing about rather than someone coming in from a big five, a power five school, and paying more money than what you can afford. That's something different. Well. If Stanford, if David Shaw goes to the NFL next year, and Stanford says, Co- "Coach, we want you to come back. Going to give you five million dollars a year." Peace. Oh, well, no, that's Peace to rice. That's, I'm that's, out.
1: That's something totally different. I, I I'll have to, I have to agree on that. But I just, what I don't, I'm hoping not to make that not to have, have happen, is that, you know, he gets in, and people come at him, you know, with the next big thing. You mentioned five, but I'm just talking about you know what they play on the next level, uh, this next division. I just want I, I prefer that he comes in, gets his headed, this program headed in the right direction, reaffirms itself, and gets for five or six, uh, just five years out of this.
0: That that's a, a nice sentiment, and it's it's uh old school mindset that you have that unfortunately very few schools share that mentality and mindset very few alums have that two sentences from coach that he has in his press release as long as he gets support from the administration he should be okay we have to raise the bar we have to raise the standard if administration agrees with that then Rice will be alright he'll be able to pull in some talent from Texas and develop an offensive line and, and mass mouse football and, and do things that he wants to get done. If he doesn't get that support, it won't get done. So, like I said, it's up to the administration. If they want to get back into the football business and compete for championships in the conference and win on the field as well as in the classroom,
1: then they can get it done. If they don't, then they won't. Well, one thing he won't have to deal with you know, right off the top would be facilities. Because uh, he's got him, he, he's got a good place now to to work with and show, show some kids around. Because uh, it'll be interesting how that uh, the staff adjust to this to this the, the, to this climate. Is that, and you mentioned Matt, uh, Coach Mac coming in, Doc. I don't know a lot about him. I've heard about him. Um, You know him better than I do because you've talked to him at least several times just because of the fact that he's coming from the MIAC. Uh, Who is he?
2: He's a young, really blossoming coach. Uh, Those people at Jackson State University are kicking themselves to death because he was on their staff as a coordinator, and many people thought he should have been the head coach last year. And then he went down to South Alabama, did some great work. Um, And obviously most recently is North Carolina Central. And that's just his last three stops. But uh, he's worked on various different levels. As you can see, developed relationships because he had a relationship with the head coach came in. And he thinks highly of him. And that's why he brought him back, uh, uh, brought him to Rice from previous relationships. No-nonsense guy. He certainly should be able to relate to the students. Uh, because he's youthful. Uh, Anybody that's watched North Carolina Central and saw just how tough they played and how much the kids played for him uh, in regards to what he did. And he has no nonsense. He lost two quarterbacks this year uh, and basically put the third quarterback in and had like a 16, 17 game winning streak in the NEAC. And if it wasn't for a last second Hail Mary, which actually was played because the fans came on the field, which gave a penalty, and had a last-second play that actually was caught for a touchdown by Bethune-Cookman, he would have been playing for his uh, fifth consecutive conference championship, this time outright against North Carolina A&T. Obviously, that was not the case, and they did get beat by North Carolina A&T one way or the other. But that's uh, what Rice fans can expect, a uh, no-nonsense guy. Um uh, the type of guy that could go into any house, uh, sit down with the parents, and really show uh, how he feels about a kid and why he was able to uh, recruit so well for North Carolina Central. And obviously, as I said, the kids will play for him. So I think uh, from what my perspective, it's a great hire for Rice uh, in terms of a young, up-and-coming coach. It's another chance for him to take the next step, but obviously at some point he's going to want to coach himself at the SBS level. So I think that's also good if you're right, as, you know, people don't want to get into this, uh, but same thing with prayer Views. I try to tell them it's not a big deal that you lose coaches every so often if you're losing them because they have the ambitions to continue up the coaching tree. Uh, and if you set yourself up as the institution where coaches can come in and win and they will have a chance to go up the next level, you're always going to have great interests from great coaches. Now you just need an AD or what they are now calling many MVPs of them VPs of intercollegiate athletics to be able to make sure that they can know how to select coaches that can bring in and fit a culture, maybe slightly change the culture, but continue to win. I think it's good to have people on your staff that have ambitions to move up um, because they're going to do everything in uh, in their control to make sure that uh, they do what's good for Rice, which means they have to win. Obviously, you're not going to get picked to go to the next level unless you're winning. So, if Rice is winning again, that's a good thing. Obviously, it means similar to what we've seen right across the street uh, down the way in Houston for you uh, a That means, yes, your coaches uh, may become a slight revolving tree. Uh, but if you're in that business, you should be able to get new coaches. And they've also seen it, obviously, just recently at the AD level. Um, so if you're not at that major Power Five conference level, uh, you're going to always be churning coaches into some degree ADs. But uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's probably not the optimum thing you want to do, but you can make it still make it work.
0: Agreed, and that's that's my point. If if you're not winning, then Power Five is not going to come pick. You pick and choose what's cherry pick your your staff so the whole point is to be successful the money ain't gonna change the only way the money gonna change is if you get into the power five and unless that happens you're going to continue losing winning successful coaches from a group of five up to the power five big boys come calling big boys gonna come take you that's just the way it is hell big boys stealing from other big boys from bigger boys are stealing from big boys yep. you that's know right. so if the bigger boys are still in front of the big boys, and goodness knows the big boys are still from the little ones, you know people in Oregon think Willie Tiger's name is Mudd Now, for what he did to them after one year going from Oregon fact to Florida state and he, okay. I,
2: you grew up in you grew up in one of those neighborhoods where you had where you understood the lay of the land in terms of the big boys and the little boys <laughs> <laughs> in, terms, in, terms lunch, in terms of your lunch money.
0: So that's, that's what this Doc, is.
2: What are you what are
1: you Doc, what are you insinuating? What are you insinuating, Doc? What are you insinuating? I'm saying that you were
2: one of the people boys taking people's
1: lunch money. <laughs> Doc, nobody can prove that. And I'm going be like, just like Mayweather, I ain't no cameras. Where, you, where are cameras at? Where are camera? What, no teachers uh, around? What, no cameras around?
2: There
1: you go. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, then. All right. So, All right. so, yeah, we'll touch
0: real quick on Jimbo Fisher taking the $75 million no-brainer as he called it, which pissed off a lot of Florida State people for those choice of words that are used at the Aggie press conference. I've joked with yeah. some Aggie friends of mine if, asking if they've changed the name to uh, Fisherland or, or Jimbo Land or Jimbo Station or college of Jimbo or, or whatever they're going to do now since that they're paying him all this money, but it's supposedly not going to come out of any of uh it's going to come out It's going to be private money paying for his contract. So that'll some, yeah. uh, some of the Aggies. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a good thing. If you, you know, you got the big boys, see proof right there, a bigger boy on the block, taking money, taking a, a qualified coach. Although the last three years without James Winston, he's been kind of mediocre. So we'll see if now he's got his top-notch facilities. He's got everything that he wanted from Florida State that they were not yeah, able to give more. him. He's got it all that. Not a We'll see if he can win a national championship. You got 10 years to get Eight. it done. You got to beat Alabama. You got to beat LSU and, and everybody else in, be in the SEC, SEC West. And, you know, and I can get into a whole other issue about um, being the best team in the division. But that doesn't even make any difference. You cannot win the division to get to the Final Four in uh, college football, apparently. So, you know, (laughs) you don't have to win the division. So, whatever, which is one of the reasons why I think it's just a travesty and a farce of of big-time college football. Why do you even have conferences? Why do you even have divisions? Why do you have any of this stuff? College conference championship games, because these past few weeks prove that it doesn't matter. You don't have to win your conference championship to play for the Final Four. Garbage. I mean, I said a bunch of garbage. And
2: I'm I'm gonna say, I'm not hotel watching that. Yeah, yeah, checking out for the after the week of the Big Ben Calhoun HBCU football award in our HBCU Art Conference. Um, So I agree with you, Chris. I was up there and lost my. uh, Glad it wasn't a steak bet with Jerry. uh, I was like, I was like, how do you let a team that didn't win a division more or less the conference title is, but.
1: Well, you know, just, Doc, just like everybody else had that question, one of your colleagues asked me, what did I see in, in Ohio State? And the first thing out of my mouth was the same thing that bothered everybody else. You lost to Iowa bad. About 31 points. And you looked bad, you look bad think, losing. You looked bad losing.
2: I certainly think that's a valid point. But at the end of the day, I think winning your conference trumped the fact that you had a bad loss. If anybody knows anything about conference plays, the conference is tough. History is tough. And when you have conference matchups, things happen. And no matter how bad the loss or close the loss is, is the fact, yeah, you lose those games. At the end of the day, what is the value of a division in the conference if you don't have to win it to get in? And so I just I don't believe in it. I think there should be some sanctity uh, in the fact that you should win, particularly when you only have four teams that there should be some credence to winning your conference to get into the playoffs. And one of the things that you'd like to see is these matchups between intra because we don't really get to see a lot of it, particularly in the sport of football, because everybody likes to say the conference matchups are so big. And so that's what, to me, makes uh, college football different is like every game is important. Well, you just said that no, every game is not really important because it's not the same from one conference to the next.
0: Yep, and we could yep. go and you know do a breakdown of the of Alabama's schedule. They really don't have quality wins on their schedule compared to Ohio State. Yes, Ohio State has a bad loss Iowa, but strength of schedule opponents, Ohio State's is better, and they won their conference championship. But once again, that's that's the big boys and they're slick because, see, they could, write a, they could put a rule in and say in black and white, period, to be a part of the Final Four, you have to win your conference championship. They won't do that. Why? Because scenarios like this. Well, you know, we got to get Alabama in there just in case they don't win the division or the conference championship. We gotta, just in case, got to have them eligible to be part of this Final Four. Well, lo and behold, go ahead, everybody go and spend that money, give it to all those schools and athletic directors and let them tell you these lies and whatever they want to spend to you. And for this final four, go ahead, keep on doing that fans and alums. And, and then cry and complain when, when your school doesn't win 10 games and doesn't get to a bowl game and then win a championship. And then you're going to fire that coach after two years and try to go hire another big-time coach, and, and then cry when he doesn't win a championship in three years, and just keep on doing it over and over and over again, and again, keep on telling everybody that it's okay to not pay the players. Yeah, you keep on spending all that that garbage and just keep on doing it over and over and over again. I will crack up within five years if Jimbo Fisher does not get attention in the Aggies, and some of the Aggies saying, we're paying this, man for this much money for all this? And he came, Nine games. you know, I mean, I I ain't going to laugh, laugh, laugh. If within these 10 years of this deal, Aggie's going to get any closer to a championship than they, than they had in the last. What has it been? 1939, since they won
1: that championship? Yeah, I, I, and the last time they got, a, the last time they won big in the, in the conference was, uh, what, five years ago, four years ago? When they went on the road and won the, – the, uh, man, the Manziel off. era? Yeah. And that didn't end very well
0: either. You know, they had two magical weeks, really, as our colleague Bonnie Jones really points out. A two, a magical two weeks when they won at Alabama, thanks to Manziel. I think they beat Auburn as well. At, in that, just, yeah, imagine that, they, that just imagine if not they not win, win those
1: two games. They, they are who they are. Yeah. They are who they are. Eight, nine wins. That's it. But, hey, that's, that's,
0: that's bigger boy football and, and bigger boy athletics. You just toss money at, a, at your problems. And at the same time, you're going to pay your strength coach a million dollars at some programs, and you're going to give all this money to these ADs and leave and left and right. Oh, I got to ask you, you guys your thoughts on the, the comment from new AD at Arkansas 100-year checks not being thrilled with the contract that the Aggies gave Kevin Sumlin allowing the $10 million buyout to be to paid to Coach Sumlin within 60 days of a termination, and all $10 million being paid to Coach Sumlin, even if he got a new job. Yurichek said, we can't yeah. have countries like that. It's bad for football. It's bad for athletics.
1: <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm going to say this. And all I know is he is to be congratulated that he has, and this is what I'm talking about Coach Summer, that he has an agent Amen. that knows how to write a contract. Amen. I don't care you you people that talk about these coaches doing stuff. I said agent, A G E N T. Amen. Does a, does the work for him. That person goes reads the contract, writes the contract, and makes damn sure. The your legal department reads on the surface what they need to read, and what's hidden uh, in the small print. They fail to, to realize it just happened to. Them. They get a signature.
2: And that's it. Consider the time of that contract, and I think in theory what Guretic said probably makes sense. You don't want to write contracts like that. Uh, But he also needs to be mindful that sometimes things are based on time and substance. Remember, when they were writing the extension for this contract that he last did, this was not the original contract he came in under. This was the contract they signed him up after he had a great seat, and he had other suitors of whether he was going to go to UCLA or whether he was going to go to the pros. And at that time, they wanted to keep him because he was hot, he was bringing in top recruiting classes. And so to keep him, they needed to, uh, to put that language in the contract, and obviously they did. So I think um, it's disingenuous uh, for your trick to say that without really understanding the landscape at the time because if he's in that position and he has a hot coach that he wants to keep on, he's going to write the same contract, and I don't care what agent you got they going to make sure it's in there, and I don't care what legal counsel you have. They're going to read it and point it out, and the AD is going to come back and say, Yeah, I know it's in there, but we want to keep this coach, so give me the contract.
0: So uh, good luck to uh, Chad Morris, new football coach, tech football coach at Arkansas, to get that clause put in his contract, because I know they, his, his agent's going to try. I'm going to say, Oh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen, well, man. He can keep, no. Nope, 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 nope. But the but. but and it's a but
2: big one, not, and it should be no. But let 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 him
0: win <laughs> uh, let, title. Yeah, let him win a chance to beat Alabama, Auburn, go undefeated. Yeah. Yep.
2: Right, and the bigger boys start coming. He gonna put that in the contract faster than he want to say. Yeah.
0: So it's you know, it's money makes the world go around. We all know it. Some folks just choose not to uh, admit it and try to spin it and, and have you believe that different factors into it. Things factors, hogwash, whatever. Now,
1: Doctor Chris, what uh, surprised me more than anything was the fact that A and M two two things that, that that was 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 going on and still going on. How do you find enough money to have? A, almost a six million dollar assistant coaches that, uh, salary uh, uh, base to be split out. I don't know how many coaches, assistant coaches, you got, uh, and what do, what their you know what their different positions are, and what they get this I know it's all ratio to from OC to DC to you know position guys, and you get all of this done, which tells me just how much money you got coming on campus is beyond any of us can happen, and you're not raising the student fees to pay for all of this. So I was amazed that that was going on, that had happened at that particular school because we've all seen when they've raised the coach's uh, salary, you know, some way, somehow, they find a way to kind of like put that needle in the student and start sucking that blood, sucking that, that, uh, suck them dry. Student fees go up. Big money alums came through.
2: Not only that, I think we also forget that a lot of, that this is not just from the alum, and we also need to be careful about, about how alums work the system now, uh, particularly at A and M, and this is like a lot of uh, a lot of other st- institutions have it as well at the Power Five level. But uh, at Texas A and M, the alums also have purchased the right for the. Uh, food services in the stadium. So they get that money, and that money goes into the um, booster group, if you would, that organization from a financial standpoint. Also, you have a lot of the contracts uh, that are separated. Some of them are done directly with the athletic department through the university, and then some contracts are done directly through the booster group, i.e. from the radio shows. So you have big-time sponsors that want to be attached to the television shows, and we're talking about the weekly regional-type shows associated with that that financial money. And so those are big coffers, too, that goes back into this uh, booster group that controls that money. So some of this is directly funds from big-time booster comes in, but also this is from the corporate money associated with uh, the booster groups controlling athletics uh, from the many different dynamics that they do, um, so I think that's an important factor to consider as well. Uh, associated with that, and some of this money is directly coming in to the coaches tied in when they get a shoe contract, if you would. Um, that money doesn't. Part of that money is allocated directly to the coaches and goes towards their salary. So if you'll have if you had a chance to look at some of these contracts, you'll find out that the school oftentimes will pay just uh, the very bottom line, $200,000, if you would. And then all the rest of the money is tied in based on all these other different assignment clause associated. And that is trickled down. So, for example, uh, for FAMU, in the FAMU contract, the university, uh, Willie Simmons assigned, assigned for essentially three hundred K to go from Prairie View uh, to FAMU is about a 30k raise there but the way that contract was written 200,000 was coming from the school the other 100,000 was coming directly for the booster group at FAMU uh, to augment that salary to get it to 300,000 and so that's where a lot of this money is coming from and some of the money was directly related to uh financial because FAMU has uh the largest amount of money coming in from their apparel deals than any HBCU out there, which was upwards towards the last time I looked at it above $100,000. So there's many ways that this money is paid out, and it's not just directly a boosters paying uh, directly to the coaches. It's a little more uh, nuanced than that, even though a large significant amount is from the boosters, as you said.
0: Great info there Hmm. from your doc. Real quick, I want to touch on uh, some basketball. As the Rockets are have the best record, I think, are in the NBA or not tied with Celtics close to it. They've won. Rockets have won nine in a row after uh, Saturday's come from behind. Road win over Portland after the Blazers led by 14 points heading into the fourth quarter. James Harden went into uh, Harden. Uh, video mode, video game mode, and scored 48 points overall. Just lit up the Blazers and Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard. They picked on him last four or five minutes of the fourth quarter with his bum ankle and his bad defense in combination. Harden Chris Paul just took Lillard to school and took him to the rack at will. Rockets are 20 and four, about to begin a seven game homestand. Monday, gonna be home. For, Thank God! Who oh, almost two weeks? Looking forward to yep. it. So there's gonna be a lot of uh, Instagram clips on Houston Bar Review, uh, post game videos on Houston Bar Review YouTube channel. So basketball fan, Rocket fans, uh, look for a lot of clips on my Instagram account, YouTube account. I don't know what it is about one of those Instagram posts. Last time I looked at it, it had over 330,000 views. And it wasn't even James Harden. It was the guy in um, an ABC TV show. A clip of him taking part in the first shot that Tuma Fertitta, New Honor, has debuted this season before the game, where money is donated to charity based on the free throw being made or missed. 5,000 if it's made, 1,000 if the attempt is missed. And the dude missed the free throw. But because he's a TV star, apparently, and over 330,000 views, (laughs) so I don't know what it is, but there it is. So, but the Rockets are rolling. Rockets are, in some local people's eyes, finally getting some love by the national media, showing, you know, love to the Rockets for the wins and how they're kicking butt and just Harden and Chris Paul are just destroying teams in tandem when they're on the floor together, when they're... One of them's on the bench. They're still kicking butt. It's fun times covering the Rockets. National media uh, writer for USA Today has already surmised the scenario, possible scenarios of LeBron James becoming a Rocket next season or next summer. Now There are possibilities for that to happen. Um, me and some friends kicked that around back in July. Just what if kind of stuff, you know. What if this thing, as soon as chris paul became a rock we just kind of what about this you know because chris paul and lebron are you know really tight so but anyway so that's the out there now for public viewing so that's that's fun it's, it's fun covering a winning team as all of us know as you get more interest from from the fans to all your, to your radio shows your websites things of that sort gentlemen the rockets are rolling but so are the houston cougars men's and women's basketball women's team Won a six straight game this afternoon, thumping East Tennessee State, eighty-eight sixty-nine, the nineteen point victory, uh, was the largest margin victory in Coach Huey's four-year, ten-year as head coach at U of H. So he's got the team things head in the right direction. They're eight and two. They've won, like I said, six in a row. The women's excuse me, the men's team is rolling. They won. They're eight and one. They're rolling as well. They came off a of methodical, because this year was ugly, methodical. road wins Saturday over St. Louis. St. Louis is a member of the Atlantic 10. U of H won that game 77-58. Uh, the Cougars, after they stubbed their toe in the first-round game against Drexel, has rolled off numerous wins in a row. I think they're at seven in a row now on the fellow side. So both men's and women's teams are, are on winning streaks. TSU's Joyce Kenderson is a second leading scorer in women's college basketball on the D1 level. I think she's averaging 28 points a game. I think Doctor you know, the ladies cycle record is a four and five, four and 4 something like that. There. Mm. She's, she's doing well. Let' will see if I can try yeah. to get, get an interview with her uh, this week. So um, they're doing well there. But the thing with U of H, men and women, the RPI numbers. it's early. Do I need to get a cold towel? Set off. A, I need to get a
1: cold towel? Set off,
0: a, <laughs> set off alarm bells for some of my fellow alums who are in a, just a hissy fit or having a connection with the U of H RPI, men's RPI being as of December 8th. So it doesn't take into account the yesterday's wins. So I think a new one would be up at com. maybe December 11th it was 104 last on December 3rd is 136, 141, 141. Women's RPI, U of H women's 36, third or fourth best really? in the American Athletic Conference. Fans, alums are quick to point out, well, the RPI is an outdated number, Ken Palm is a different metric, different analytics are used. It has U of H men at 53, you know, as of December 3rd. Now I think 44, 45. So different metrics are being used in Wildcat and DocuNote you know, 2 from our time at headquarters, doing Mock Selection. It's subjective. It's all based on what the committee member values in terms of the eye test. Right. If, if they uh-huh. value the RPI more, if they value the schedule more, if they value non-conference or whatever, each member sees things differently. Some folks prefer the, the advanced metrics. So we'll see how it all uh-huh. plays
1: out. Because you know, one of the things you know we we all talk about when we had Mark is did the team you beat did they keep winning? Exactly. Did the team you did the team you beat comp- contend, uh, compete for that conference championship? <laughs> Even if they have regular season conference situation was bad, but they got to the time because they got on a six uh, on a, a three or four game winning streak. And then boom, they made it to the tournament did that's was was that a factor and you know the other in, in the old days, Chris, you, you and I both know who we went out there the first time you know a coach that uh committed mention you know did they have an injury? did the other team have an injury? was the game on the road? did you go in a hostile uh environment and win a game all you know a, a lot of things came into factor, but as you know and we Doc, you've seen it also up close. You know, they break them computers out and it's all done for you. <laughs> you kind of like fill it in and, and said, okay, did I actually did I did I see some things in that game that, that made me think this team gets a shot out of the glass to be looked at? Because putting in putting in that last thirty one, it gets kinda of hard. The closer you get to it out the bracket. And, and you gotta fall back to some basics.
0: And especially it's it's more difficult if, as you touched on, your opponents, your your strength of schedule is not that great. And I'm trying to go back through my tweets from a week ago for the non conference schedule for UH men, but I think even as of today, the non-conference schedule for the for the men is 200. It's,
1: you know, it's not well, it's not very good. That's, you talked about this from from day one for a lot of reasons, and one of those is that where it helps. You know, Coach Davis puts a schedule a tough schedule on on the fellows before conference play for a reason. Your race hadn't done that yet.
0: Here we go. As of last week. The uh, RPIs for the U of H men's opponents, Memphis, excuse me, McNeese, 261, Drexel, 197, Liberty, 287, Wake Forest, 228, and Connor Ware, 235, New Orleans, 259. The best one, Arkansas, 13, and the Cougs just dominated Arkansas. That's the best win by far of the season to date. But um, – and then the remainder of the non-conference opponent, I think, for the non-conference schedule is not that great either. So, you and, – and I've touched on this before in previous podcast. U of H has to schedule better non-conference. The conference is getting better. The American is getting better. With Wichita State as a member, you're going to get, you know, at least four teams in the tournament. But as of last week in the, the ESPN bracketology for Joe Linardi, U of H wasn't even in. Now, that was after they dominated Arkansas. Well, not in the, the field of 68. He didn't have them in their next four out, the first four out, their next four out, or the – whatever you call it, the next next four out at that point. So that's 80 teams right there he had them in. So that's based on the strength of schedule, the the non-conference strength of schedule. That's what has to get better. You can't, you know, in my opinion, you cannot depend upon or rely on just – your conference being so good that it's going to carry you to an NCAA tournament berth. Mm. So the Cougs um, play at LSU on uh, Wednesday. So in a few days, they need to win that one. They really can't afford to stub their toe non-conference too much. The projections for in the, the advanced metrics that Ken Palm asked for the U of A's to seasonal record Projection that he predicts for this season is twenty-one and nine, with an eleven and seven conference record included in that. Well, the team was twelve and six the last two years in, a, in American and did get in the <laughs> tournament. So if they go eleven and seven this year, I'm not sure they're going to get in with that record. So you got to you got to schedule tougher non-conference. To, and, of course, you've got to win some of these non-conference games, too. But the weaker your non-conference is, you cannot afford to stub your toe to any of those people non-conference because it will be considered a bad loss. And we know about bad losses. You, could, you may, um, have, maybe, may, have, may be able to afford one or two bad losses non-conference. But if you do that, you've got to have good wins, more good wins to eliminate those bad losses. So as of December 10th, with their bad loss to Drexel and their RPI of 197 at that time, that means U has got to beat Wichita State at least once in conference play. Cincinnati at least once in conference play. Temple at least once. And SMU at least once in conference play. So they got to split with those, those teams, the really good teams, and then not lose to the teams below you in the in the conference to help you strengthen your case to be an at large team. So, but they are they are winning. They are looking better. You seem to have more interest from alums in the on the court product. Coach Samson said after a one post game, you can go to my YouTube channel, Houston Bar View. His comments were, and he, you know, this is reality. We all, we've all known and discussed it. That he hopes that at some point in the future, the fans will come to see Houston play rather than the opponent. After the game against Arkansas, Sam said, Pump, like, you know, I know people were here to see Arkansas, they weren't here to see us. That's how it is right now. Hopefully, in the future, we'll get to the point where teams will come see Houston play rather than the opponent.
1: Well, that's all I got about you, basketball product, right now. Um, How oh. can folks find you on the internet, sir? Uh they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, J L Woodley One, Jerry L Woodley Jr. You can find me elsewhere: uh, YouTube, Blogger, Blogspot, SoundCloud at AKSVDCSR. The college sports report. Um, Doc, I will also be joining you. Well, I'll be at the game ra- rather. Uh, for next or next week. Oh, crap, he's out. Um, he hadn't got up yet. Um, for the celebration bowl, I'll fly. I'll be there Saturday. Um, I got a late flight out, got lucky. Uh, on a friend of mine, God bless her, she hit me out and. And I'll be back here in Houston before the sun comes up thank goodness uh and then I've got uh the Duel in the desert uh going, that's scheduled for las vegas uh december the twentieth and twenty first i'll be in and t- be there for for that uh situ- those couple of games at u n l v the cox pavilion uh and I'll enjoy myself and that'll be a that's a quickie also and I want to ask everybody for the travel prayers going to, excuse me, going to both places. That's it on my end. Doc.
2: Yes. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Dr. Kenyatta, Bill That's D R K E N Y A T T A C A B I L. That's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Also, uh, like to ask for you traveling players as well as I hit the road and well good to hear that I'll be able to catch up with Wildcat as he gets down there and we prepare to do our thing and make sure everybody gets the great information here. We are also planning to do a live two hour um preview of the game inside the stadium. Uh as we'll be up in the media booth. And so we'll do that. Uh that will be from uh, 9 to 11, Eastern Time. Uh, so you can get up and check that up before the game if you want to get inside the numbers. And we'll do our regular show from 545 to 715 right here uh, on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. You can catch the streaming on www.ksh-tv.com, uh, and you can catch it on Facebook Live as we do our show. You can follow up on information at thd-agency.com. That's www.thd-agency.com for the latest updates, which include the poll rankings. And uh, we'll have our final ranking for the major division, as we've had our final ranking for the mid-major division, which, first time in history, we have a top, which is Virginia State Trojans and Langston Lions will be co-black national champions for Dr. wills at the mid-major division level. Uh and I believe that'll do it for
0: us. All right. And I am KG of the Houston round review, Houston round Houston Review on YouTube and Instagram VHR review on Twitter. Thank you for all the retweets and, and likes of uh, game articles. I've written and posted the last couple of days about the uh, U of H and the Rockets when they were here as well. So that's, that's a good thing to see. You can catch our podcast. We've got a, our Facebook page for the podcast, KG, Beautiful Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. Our podcast available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Pod Directory, etc. A lot of good things going on happen for all three of us. Go to my website. Hopefully tomorrow at some point in the afternoon, I'll have interviews posted from two people. I'm not even going to mention their names, but uh, one's in men's hoops and one's in, in women's hoops. And it'll share some insight in uh, a little bit more about RPI, things of that sort, on both sides. So go to HoustonRomarView.com for that. And at some point, may have something else to share in the future. We'll get into that if, if and when it happens. Uh, we, uh, everybody knows, that you guys know what I'm referencing, but we'll just keep that under our hat until if it, when it does happen. Going to wrap it yeah. up. As I uh, always do, safe travels to both of you, of course, fellas. And we'll try to uh, get a podcast going hopefully next week. We'll see how it all plays out, how, how it all works out. But safe travels to, to uh, both of you. Thank you for your time and insight as always. This is one of our uh, long podcasts. We had a lot to cover on the football front. And as we progress and turn into the early part of 2018, we'll get more into uh, basketball talk, especially the closer we get to uh, the Final Four. So in in uh, end of March, early April. Oh, one one more thing, go to my women's hoops blog. Probably Tuesday afternoon, I'll have my ballot for the Hoop Feed Sports Tours Top 25 Women's Division One poll once it's released. Um, Cheryl, Cheryl Collins is in charge of Hoopy.com and she has her top 25. It's in, a, it's in its second year and I'm part of that, uh, 13 member voting panel for that. Had a few upsets Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on women's college basketball. So the top 25 will change a little bit. So I just finished, uh, I'm working on my ballot for, it's due tomorrow, Monday night. Working on that, finalizing that. That's I work if you want to do a good job on board for top 25. So got to do my homework on that. Keep track of all the teams, the mm-hmm. wins and losses and who they played, et cetera, et cetera, each week. But it's fun. A little bit more, help me get more in, information, insight into what's going on in women's college basketball. So finally, we're going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion,
1: be true, be cool, and do more.